Thank you guys for sticking around through that commercial break. And we are now joined by the CEOs of Bolt and Wire, Yanni and Maju. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Thank you for having us, crew. Yeah, fired up. Thank you. Awesome. Well, why don't we just dive right into things? There was a big announcement about a month ago between your two companies. I'll let you guys sort of share those details with everyone. Yeah, so Bolt, we are a, a one-click checkout company for all of commerce. And we have been looking at ways to expand into, into crypto. Uh, and, and, and we started talking to a lot of different companies and we ran into Wire and we found that Wire is the best company that's aligned with us, both from a strategy perspective and culture perspective. And we continued that conversation and uh, signed the definitive agreement for merger uh, recently. I announced at the Bitcoin conference recently. Yanni, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. We're really excited. Um, so yeah, we we announced a, a definitive agreement to merge into Bolt. Um, you know, uh, Wire for um, just for those that don't know, we've been around since 2012, started in the, the crypto ecosystem to help people buy things using the Bitcoin. Uh, and over the years, we realized that it's really really difficult to you know uh, build applications in in the crypto space. So we we ended up spending the past like eight nine years really building an infrastructure and making it easy for people to build into crypto. And uh, when Bolt approached us last year, uh, and 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 we were working more with Bolt, we you know it came we came to the realization that there's nothing better out there to getting Bitcoin into the hands of billions of people than really partnering with like one of the largest uh, payments companies in the world. So we're really excited that uh, we're taking this step forward and, and getting it in the hands of billions of people. Awesome. And so will the team at Wire be staying on to help this transition or walk us through a little bit of how this merger is going to shape up for the two companies? Yeah. So Bolt provide one-click checkout for all merchants. So we are one of the decentralized players and we make sure that the, the, the power of one-click checkout can be achieved for merchants without having to stay in any large one ecosystem. Like you can stay in Amazon or Shopify, you can get some of those features, but it's not available for anyone else. So we build the biggest shopper accounts network that's available for everyone across the merchants, irrespective of whatever platforms they work on. So decentralization is a key aspect for us. And so crypto and Bitcoin comes play right into that and that mission of decentralization and bringing all the different options and bring taking out of some of the larger you know bigger entities and putting it into the, the putting the power into the common people is kind of our mission so with wire we'll continue that mission our mission is very aligned bringing crypto and bitcoin to everyone bring it to the masses so the way we are going to operate is bolt has the shopper accounts network so we have uh, you know, tens of millions of shoppers all their payment information and all their shopping information. We also have a fraud system that makes sure that all the transactions are proper. And it's one of the most advanced fraud system in the industry. And so we are bringing that, those two, the shopper accounts network with tens of millions of shoppers and the advanced power of the, the, the fraud system and connect that with the wires uh, crypto infrastructure. So with that, we will be able to bring one-click crypto available for everyone. And also for shoppers who want to pay on merchants with Bitcoin, they can do that with one click. Or if shoppers want to buy things on in the metaverse, we can take, take out all the friction and make it happen in, in, with the one click. The way we are going to organize is uh, 
Yani is going to be continue to lead the charge of it. He's going to be the chief crypto officer. We think that will be the, the, the title, maybe the first title that will be used by a lot of companies as we go forward. And uh, so Yanni will continue to lead the, the mission and charter just like he's doing with Wire right now. Yanni, go ahead. Yeah, I think you I think you summed it up perfectly. So yeah, uh, back to that. It's like, yeah, we're we're gonna still uh, be aligning, building our crypto infrastructure, building our Bitcoin infrastructure, um, and still providing uh, on ramp into Bitcoin, right? And uh, this uh, we're, we'll still have like some of the teams will get merged in, but like we'll be standalone, just building together with both. Uh, Maju, do you mind maybe sharing a little bit of some of the clients you guys already have or are working with just so our customer or our audience can get a better sense of where they're actually going to be interacting with this technology? Yeah. So today, Bolt is helping largely with online commerce. So we have a variety of customers all the way from really small customers to really large enterprises. So we recently signed Fanatics as one of the largest and fastest growing e-commerce company. They are picking us for powering their one-click checkout experience on all their platform across the board. Um, two, we have uh, merchants in across various categories. We have merchants um, like, let's say, like patio furniture, like Pollywood or, or you know, barbecue, uh, like outdoor uh, systems like uh, solo stuff. Uh, we have apparel industry, like Lucky Jeans, Forever 21. We have, uh, you know, we have a, a very broad spectrum of merchants. So anyone selling online, we will remove the, the friction from the process. So that anything people, our vision is that people should be able to go to any website that sell anything and can buy with one click, even though they have never been on that site ever before. And how will merchants be able to opt into this? Will it be just like, as they're setting up, just like checking a box or what sort of get set up on the back end for them to receive payments in Bitcoin? Yeah, so the Bolt powers that take over the checkout for a merchant, and that includes managing their shipment option as well as payments. Bolt today integrates with all payment options. Like we connect with all different credit card uh, payment processors. We connect with all the alternate payment options. With, with Wire, we are going to be connecting with crypto and Bitcoin. So for merchants, what we, have, what we have become is a single window into the payments world. So historically merchants have to build, you know, whenever they want to add a payment processor, they have to build a connection for the payment processor. And switching from one payment processor to another payment processor is a big challenge for them. Or when they want to add an alternate payment, whether that's an Apple Pay or Google Pay, that's an extra work for them. What Bolt has done is we pre-built all those integrations. We, can, we are connected with all the payment processors, alternate payments. And now with Bitcoin and all the crypto infrastructure, we are pre-building all that connections. And for merchants now, we use Bolt, they can turn on all this payment option as a configuration. They don't need to write a single line of code. They don't need to, like it's more, it, we made it into a configuration. So they just go there to the configuration and enable that. Okay, I want to enable, that's a Bitcoin payment. And they just check that box. And now... They can take uh, accept Bitcoin as well as consumer, the shoppers can pay with Bitcoin just with one click. I think that's like I think it's like very um, understated, like how massive this is going to be. Some of the largest brands overnight will be able to accept Bitcoin on their websites, and uh, Opal Bolt being one of the largest Bitcoin payment processors in the space. 
um, overnight. So we're really excited to get this out. We're working together. Obviously, we're, we're working together and getting that feature out. But like some of the biggest brands in the space overnight will be able to accept crypto uh, or Bitcoin specifically, which is going to be huge. I'm curious how. So if I'm understanding this correctly, not only will merchants be able to like interact with customers and accept payments in Bitcoin, but like their suppliers, their manufacturers or their shipping bills, those can also get handled as such, correct? Well, it's mainly, our product is mainly designed for consumer buying from a merchant sites. So like we have like 800 plus merchants now that use Bolt. And we have mentioned like 10 million plus shoppers that already have accounts with us. So what we are enabling is those millions of shoppers to buy from any of the, the large group of merchants with the power of one click. Now with Bitcoin, it's a power of one click. Uh, buy with Bitcoin with one click. So we don't support anything beyond that behind the scenes for merchants with their suppliers. It's more that interaction between the actual consumer and the merchant. And Yanni, talk to me a little bit about where this transaction is happening on within the Bitcoin ecosystem. Is this in layer one or above it on the Lightning Network in layer two? Yeah, so we're we're working right now with the Lightning Network, and we're going to be releasing some APIs to build uh, easier into the Lightning Network, which is going to be huge. Uh, right now, um, so the way that's going to work is that uh, we're we're simply there's a multi-state phases for this, right? So. First phase is actually getting an on-ramp product. So we have one of the largest on-ramps, uh, Bitcoin on-ramps in the space where you can use a credit card, debit card, and be able to on-ramp directly into Bitcoin and different platforms. So we make it super easy for applications all over the space to be able to have this like on-ramp functionality. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, Bolt's really perfected that in e-commerce. They probably, they have the best shopping experience. So if you go on like Forever 21 and Lucky Brands and all uh, Tyler's and, and, uh, and other merchants in the space, you can literally use one click, save your payment information, and then just start buying immediately. So the first phase that we're going to do is we're going to bring this one click functionality to Bitcoin. So, uh, we're going to make it super easy for developers to have kind of like on-ramp providing uh, this like incredible experience to on-ramp directly into platforms. The second, the second phase is really bringing Bitcoin payment processing to Bolt's merchants. Um, and that's going to look very similar. Um, it's it's going to be a supercharge because it's going to be ready out of the gate. So there's not going to be any integration work. So uh, Bolt's done a really incredible job really working with some of the aggregators out there. So like the big commerce is the um, and, and other like the Magentos of the world. So there's a lot of merchants that have this out of the box. And um, we're going to be able to bring Bitcoin payment processing directly to all those merchants and start accepting it over, over it, you know, overnight, basically. And how that's going to work is it's going to be, you know, they'll go through the, uh, the checkout flow um, and they'll be presented with a QR code and uh, consumers will be able to shop directly uh, on those merchants. And then the merchants will be able to either hold it in Bitcoin, right? So hold the asset in Bitcoin and um, and there's like all of this cool stuff happening right now where it's making it easier for corporations to actually store Bitcoin on the balance sheet. Um, you know, like a, the, the accounting association just like did some really awesome stuff, uh, put an initiative and in making that easier for merchants to do that. And then, um, or they'll have the option to convert that instantly into fiat and, and paying out their suppliers if they, if they choose. So we're making it super seamless for uh, merchants to have that, that capability. Um, and I think we'll be, uh, Bolt will be the largest Bitcoin payment processor overnight um, when that happens. So in terms of volume and, and in terms of, 
I, don't quote me on that, but uh, I, I think that overnight there, I think they'll, they'll be one of the largest Bitcoin payment processes, which is going to be super exciting. So that's like the second phase. The third phase, which is really uh, kind of really ties in everything is uh, kind of downstream. I, I bought in, 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 I don't know how much of this is, uh, you know, bought in the process of like working on a wallet. And um, and once that wallet is is enacted, then making it one click from the wallet and storing a Bitcoin balance in the wallet and then paying directly on these merchants um, is going to be super streamlined. So really closing that loop, uh, the, the whole a closed loop network uh, or open network that they have through merchants, wallets, shoppers is, is going to be powerful. So that's really a three-step phase approach that we're working on. Um, and it's it's going to be extremely powerful when when it's all up and running. Yeah, I think that's, that, that, that's exactly right. Like what we are doing is we have this shopper accounts network with all their payment information. Now we allow them to store, you know, save their Bitcoin wallets, you know, connect them or store them into our account. Now, they are there. They can. They have the opportunity to go and buy whatever they want to buy on the internet without any friction. Just buy with one click, and that's where our fraud is very important. Our fraud systems are very important because one of the biggest challenge from merchants or anyone doing this transaction is how can they do that safely? Right? They, they are worried about that. That and that's what we constantly hear from everyone. And so the, the power of our shopper accounts network, a power of our advanced fraud system the power of the identity we have, the power of connections we already have deeply integrated with the merchants, that is bringing, making it much easier for people to use it, merchants to accept and a path to bring it mainstream. Uh, Yanni, for this wallet, I'm assuming it's gonna be a hot wallet or will it be a cold storage wallet? Um, so, it, well, so we have, uh, just to take it a step back, uh, wallet has, Wire has like custodial services, so we provide APIs to make it easier for people to build a non-custodial and custodial uh, wallets. So uh, right now we power a lot of like AppGate. We make it super easy for developers to come in and have this like simple API where we can spin up wallets and they can either decide to store the key on the device or they can decide to store the key in our centralized servers. We try to make it easy for people to get up and running. Uh, so there's an option of integrating both. Uh, it's undecided which route we... Um, we will we'll go with uh, with the Bolt wallet, but it's, uh, you know, we want to make it super easy for people to have the flexibility of interacting with a non-custodial and custodial. So it's kind of merging the experiences together. So I think we'll, we'll definitely take those, uh, you know, I'm a huge part for non uh, uh, kind of like decentralization and, 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 and owning, you know, you own your keys and uh, own your money type situation. So we are, we'll definitely take those considerations in the design phase for sure. Absolutely. Are there plans to have the code for the wallet be open source or will that be controlled by Bolt? That's a good question. Uh, that is a really good question. Uh, Maju, I'll let you decide on that. Well, I mean, I think that's a great question. I don't think we haven't made a decision on that that yet. Um, so that great question will certainly let you know once we kind of evolve through that thinking process. Like uh, we are a big, decentralization is core to our DNA. And what our goal is to bring, uh, you know, Bitcoin uh, and all the crypto infrastructure available, bring it to everyone, right? Like whether that's merchants, like we are seeing demand from merchants, right? Like merchants are seeing that by looking at some numbers, they are seeing that people, the merchants who are accepting crypto, they're seeing a higher number of shoppers, new shoppers, net new shoppers, like 40% of net new shoppers show up 
bond merchants who are accepting crypto. And also the shoppers who are paying with crypto, they tend to like spend twice as much as uh, than the, the shoppers who are using credit card. So from an economics perspective, merchants really want the access to it. The reason they are not able to kind of take advantage of that is there, it's a multi-step process and there's a lot of risk involved and really nobody simplifying those things. Our goal really is to like simplify all of that, remove all the friction from the process so that when a merchant wants to turn on crypto and take advantage of all this net new shopping, shopper segment that they don't have access to today, and we can make that happen just without writing any code because it's already written for them and all the connectivity is available for them. And that brings a lot more options for shoppers because now they don't have to go and find a, you know, the, the few shops that accept. Now the world is dropping them. And also, also the shopping experience itself is changing, right? Like more and more shoppers are not just shopping on a merchant website. People are shopping on social media, People are shopping, but you know, looking at blog. And they, they follow somebody on an influencer. They see something. They want to have, you know, the ability to like provide a one click, you know, one click, and it's yours. And those infrastructure is not available for everyone today. And that's what Bolt has. So when a merchant uses Bolt, they can provide a great shopping experience on their site, including acceptance of Bitcoin. So now they have access to this, you know, the, the new generation segment with, you know, who are, are high value shoppers for them and make that shopping experience easy everywhere when they extend that product out to social media or one of their influencers connecting their or displaying their product rather than clicking it, taking a link, bank to merchant. Now they have five more steps to pay with Bitcoin. Now it's like you see something on the video, you just click one click, it's done. And we power that entire connectivity and the transactions and also manage the fraud behind the scenes. That's the vision. And that's why we are excited about it. And as we like, when we do that, everything, you know, like Bitcoin become even more mainstream uh, in the commerce world. That's what we are excited about. Now, how exactly we make it happen? We, we're constantly working with the developers and merchants and customers to see, you know, what, what's important for them and you know, what are the friction? How can we help? Whatever is helpful to make that all happen, we'll do it. I'm genuinely curious of just sort of how much education, I know that you've explained out sort of what the incentive is for these merchants to accept Bitcoin and crypto at large as payments, but what education is going into these merchants to understand better sort of what is going on, if any at all, or is this simply just a, hey, this is a new product we're offering? Maybe what questions are your merchants asking you about Bitcoin and this new offering as it's being rolled out? Yeah, so it's a great question. So we are, you know, I, I speak to customers every day. And one of the things that constantly come on top for everyone is what is their crypto strategy? So everyone is thinking about it. But the problem is people don't know a lot of details. Like the education, like you mentioned, is less. They understand they, their awareness of crypto. They understand it's good, but they don't really know how to go after it. And also when they want to go after it, the, the 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 bar they have to pass to like you know understanding crypto understanding all the different companies now talk about the implementation integration those are steps nobody is ready to take because there's so many other things going on so this is why bolt bringing up this product is very powerful for them because bolt is already integrated into the merchant and if they can take advantage of this without 
having to study the whole thing and like go and do an entire market research and make it available. Now they can do an A-B test. Like they can turn it on for you know, a couple of months and see what's happening and see the results for themselves. And so education is important, but awareness is there, education is important, but what is even more powerful is make it so that they don't even have to think about it. Like make it an option and a configuration they can A-B test, see the power for themselves, and then make decisions based on numbers. Yeah, I think uh, just much uh, if I can add, um, I don't, I'm, obviously we, we work with like a lot of developers, so I'm not in more in tune with the merchants, but I think it's like coming in the forelight. I think that where, you know, with all these like Fortune 500 companies last year, in the past couple of years, adding Bitcoin to the balance sheet has definitely brought a whole different perspective to just, you know, hey, well, how do we get this asset, right? How do we... Uh, sell goods and actually get Bitcoin and then store it on the on the balance sheet. And I think that's like a uh, and and hedging against you know a lot of people have cash on the balance sheets and hedging against um, whatever macro economic environment there might uh, might be. So I think that uh, there there's probably a, a different conversation as well happening on that sort of side, right? Where it's like you know obviously we're going to get a new demographic in, right? We're we're going to get new shoppers coming into the ecosystem. They spend more. There, there's a lot of studies around that, which is really exciting. But the second side is like, hey, this is an easy way to also get Bitcoin on the balance sheet, right? And this is something that we can store. And um, and I think that, there, that, that those conversations have been brought, you know, with um, you know, huge companies adding that on like MicroStrategy and Tesla and a few others um, over the past couple of years. So we're really, I, I think it's going to be really exciting uh, as leveraging that on a macroeconomic standpoint. Not telling you how to run your company, Maju, but it kind of sounds like your next project should definitely be able to build to be to build out that infrastructure for everyone who's holding their Bitcoin on balance sheets after they've collected money from their customers to then now spend it to their suppliers and so on. But that's just my two cents on it. After hearing after hearing the last like five minutes, that's where my head is going after you guys roll this out. Is all right now? How do these merchants unlock using their Bitcoin more and more? Uh, I'm curious right now, how much, how many payments are being processed by Bolt on a daily or maybe on an annual basis? I don't know if you have those numbers handy. Well, I mean, uh, we we pay billions of dollars a year, so it, it our we have a fairly large customer base, and most of our customers tend to be larger uh, sites. So even though the number of customers I uh, maybe smaller, but the, they are most of them are in, on the larger side. So we transact. You know, billions of dollars of transaction every year. And one of the advantages also Bolt has is when Bolt is on a merchant site, we take over the entire checkout. So we are not like a separate button for checkout. You know, there, there are so many different buttons nowadays uh, to do the checkout on a checkout screen. And they don't get, the consumer will have to make a choice if they want to click one of those buttons. Bolt does not follow that pattern. We replace the merchant's main checkout. So we bring the power of one click into their native workflow. That means for us is we get all the transactions that are happening on the merchant side flow through our system. So we are able to sit at a higher level and help merchants to choose the different payment options they want to use, which is why us enabling Bitcoin means it's not a, a consumer has to make two choices now, you know, pick both, you know, Bolt and then pick Bitcoin from that. Say like, Bolt is already integrated into the merchant's workflow and checkout. And if Bitcoin is their default payment, 
no decision made. The minute you type in your email address and say you want to, you know, we recognize you and immediately we know your payment options. It's all natively built into the account. So we can make it happen much better than any of the other kind of a separate uh, workflow that getting added on to checkout page. I'm curious, at what point during the transaction is Bolt receiving some sort of a cut or fee? Is that more felt on the merchant side or I'm assuming it is, but at what point or where in that transaction cycle is that happening? Yeah, we, we the way we charge is when we charge only when we help a merchant. So we charge when we can enable a one-click transaction for a merchant. So if we help, then we we take a small benefit out of that. So think of it's like a small uh, percentage of the, uh, the, the GMV transactions when we help merchant with their one-click transaction, which they wouldn't have gotten otherwise without Bolt. So, and, and that's great economics for merchants because we know that whenever a merchant can provide a one-click transaction where people don't have to type in all the information, they see that around 60% increase in conversion happens at that time. So it's a high likelihood of conversion, which is great when the e-commerce is awesome. It's also amazing when, when you have fewer number of shoppers on your site, again, converting them, it's become you know, even more important. So providing that one-click transaction is a great conversion benefit lift for merchants, for, for merchants through shoppers. Now, the, the, also the interesting fact is, a shopper who get a one-click checkout experience, there's a 50% chance that they will come back and become a repeat customer. So we help initially with the, the trans, the, the, you know, converting a visitor into a, a, an actual customer. And then we help a customer into a lifetime customer. So we are truly a merchant-friendly company. And we want to make sure that the merchants can compete and win during this, you know, like the difficult times and especially create more competition and choices in the market for shoppers. So helping merchants to convert and, and you know, maintain their customers and keep them as a lifetime customer is what we go for. And we, the economics work for both sides. It's a win-win. I just had a question and I'm really mad at myself <laughs> because it was, it, damn, I keep trying to type these up, but I did want to get a sense from the two of you on just how uh, or what you guys envision being like some of the hurdles in merchants use. Oh, actually, no, that's not the question I wanted to ask. Online shopping and just online in general, virtual stuff. We're on Zoom right now. That really picked up two years ago. And we have slowly been seeing over the course of the last like six months, people wearing thin of the online experience and going back and defaulting to in-person things. How has the online merchant business been doing for e-commerce in general through Bolt's eyes and perspective? Well, the industry trends, as you rightly pointed out, is that you know, pandemic accelerated e-commerce probably a decade ahead. So uh, it, it's nothing new. We don't see any new trends. We just seeing that it just accelerated fast. And also, like I mentioned before, people are more comfortable, you know, shoppers are becoming more conscious. They care about where they buy from. Just because it's cheap or fast doesn't matter. You know, they care where it's coming from. Uh, who are they supporting? Is that a local brand? You know, do they understand the brand, what the brand stands for? All of those become more and more important. So what that means for merchants is like, you really need to tell your story to the shopper. So to tell the story, you need to really understand who the shopper is. You need to know their identity. 
you need to communicate to them. And so a system like Bolt become very important for them because we are that identity provider. We identify the shopper, we recognize them so that the brands can tell their story, whether they are local, whether it is what they stand for, are they sustainable you know, for the world and, and where who they are supporting. All of those become very important. Now, same way with the, the buying at different places at the point of discovery, inspiration, you know, point of inspiration, people are buying from influencers. Again, the same thing, you know, really understanding the customer, irrespective of where they are buying from, whether they are buying from your site or anywhere else. Now, the e-commerce trend during the pandemic, it accelerated. Now, we are seeing a little bit of deceleration of that from an industry perspective, not just from both uh, merchant side, but generally in the industry, if you look at the numbers, e-commerce trending to more like, a you know, slightly more, but trending towards the pre-pandemic kind of uh, a, a, a range. What that means for all merchants is, now you need to be even more thoughtful on connecting with the market, your shoppers, because now you, you know you really need to keep your shoppers. You really need to like provide a great experience when they come there, and you really need to make sure that they understand who you stand for. So, Bolt is providing a great value for merchants throughout the journey, through the uptime, through the trans, the change in the industry, and you know as as we continue. But overall. My view, the personal view on, and kind of been working in e-commerce for the last decade or so uh, is that you know, e-commerce will continue to grow and e-commerce will evolve and change. The omni-channel will become the output of this. What that means is people all went to online. Now stores are coming back. And so a, a, a mixed uh, omni-channel experience where you can go to a store, you know, whether it and you can still get the online experience there. Like we, we have products like QR code products where you can put a QR code right next to a product in the physical store and you can scan that QR code. You can hey, learn more about that product. You can even order a slight variants of that product that's not in that store, but we can provide a lot of that experience. And the same way that experience there connecting with your virtual experience, you buy something in the physical world, how can you represent that in the, in the, in the virtual world? So connecting your Zoom virtual life, connecting the physical store, connecting the online shopping. People want that omni-channel experience and whoever can solve that is going to be kind of driving the innovation and bold mission is to kind of drive that. And we, we are in investing and innovating in all those spaces. And we are working closely with customers to navigate through that. But you know, whether it's an up or a down, that's when innovation happens. And that's when you can really differentiate between who really have a long-term view and who we don't. And we are lucky to have great customers and partners who are thinking really long-term, want to innovate with us, experiment with us. And uh, you know, I think with Yanni and the wire team is going to be like part and parcel of this whole uh, experience we want to drive for the future. Uh, Yanni, I want to ask you something you brought up earlier, just about like the simplicity of using wire, like as easy as linking a credit card and then boom, you're off kind of to the races. Can you also maybe touch on a little bit of what I had asked uh, Maju to talk about through Bolt's perspective of fees and where wires uh, really making most of their money there? Yeah, absolutely. So we have two businesses. One is our on-ramp business. And then our, our second business is our API infrastructure uh, really kind of the stripe for crypto or the stripe for Bitcoin uh, per se. So our first our, our first part of the business is the on-ramp. Uh, we make it super simple. We connect to all the payment methods, cards, ACH, wires, uh, SEPA, global bank transfers, make it super, super simple. You know, nice widget where you can 
uh, redirect your customers to this widget. We take care of all the regulation, the fraud, the um, the the conversion of the USD to or like fiat into crypto or to Bitcoin. We make it super simple in this widget, and then we we enable within with low KYC to no KYC, uh, low friction to be able to buy uh, crypto and deposit directly into a platform. And that's like what we saw. So if a developer comes, you know, developers come into space and they're like trying to build out the next Coinbase, or they're trying to build out the next Square Cash app. But you know, it takes a lot of work. It takes like a lot of like years of planning. It takes you. You have to get the regulatory hurdles, and uh, and you have to build a liquidity engine to actually convert. You have to build to all these payment channels. So as a developer coming in this space, we make it super easy for people to have this on-ramp functionality into their application. And and uh, we started out with that mission around 2018. How do we really get billions and billions of people in the space? And this was a big problem that, and I, I'd still, I'd still say that you know this is a big problem that we're still focusing on right now, on ramping. So the way that we make fees, uh, we we obviously provide a lot of value there. So we charge a fee. Um, you know, for cards, it's 2.99 percent uh, plus 30 cents for for domestic payments, and then for international, it's 3.99%, very similar to what you'd pay another uh, card processing company, but you get so much more. Uh, we indemnify for all the fraud, right? So if uh, every single transaction that comes through, the merchant doesn't have to worry about that. We we run our fraud engine and with both fraud engine that we're working together on, it's going to be even better. Um, there, and the second thing is we take care of all the liquidity, uh, converting US dollars to Bitcoin and the, setting it on the blockchain the ecosystem. Um, is is you know and getting the best rate at different values at different times is not a you know it, it, it's an easier problem but when we started in 2012 2013 it's like a quite difficult problem to actually solve this like liquidity engine um, so we make it super simple and that that's uh, that's what we charge there um, and then for our API infrastructure it's completely free to use uh, upfront um, and you can come to us and we charge pay as you go type model where you you know as your business scales up we you charge per transaction fee. Uh, so it's um, it's quite simple. We make it super easy for developers to come in and, and start building immediately with us. Yeah, that's a, the beauty of Wire. I thought, you know, it's very uh, like smart how Yanni and the team has built this over time is kind of build the API layer so that every developer who want to build something around this, they can build it like without any friction. And they made it super easy and simple and comprehensive. I think Wire is... I mean, it is, Wire is the most comprehensive API stack that's available on the market. So, and I spoke a lot of developers who are trying to like cobble together applications by building pieces from different places, or they can just come to Wire and Wire provides everything top to bottom. So I think that's a big enabler for developers. And, you know, how many developers you have already using the, the system today? Yeah, so we have uh, roughly... Uh... Oh, and then we have uh, over four to 5,000 developers playing around at any given time on our API stack uh, with end users in the in the tune of like six to seven million end users from those platforms. So uh, just tying into what Maja said, 100%, like we, we want to, we provide a full end-to-end -end stack. So if you're trying to build a Coinbase in less than a few hours, uh, we provide you with the wallet infrastructure. We provide you with the payment infrastructure to send money in. We provide you with the payout infrastructure to pay out money. And then the whole liquidity engine from moving US dollars to Bitcoin, Bitcoin to US dollars, or US dollars to Bitcoin, Bitcoin to euros, and move value across the entire planet. We're very much a global player as well. So we are, we're not just focused with uh, uh, in the US. We have other jurisdictions. And uh, we take care of all the hurdles around the regulatory front. So we have like the 
uh, money transmission licenses. We have licenses all over the world. And a lot of these developers, they could just leverage, uh, come in, leverage our, our infrastructure to do that. So uh, we are really an end-to-end -end player. So you know, if, say, I want to build a Bitcoin payment processor, there's a lot that goes into that. You have to build the QR, system, QR code system. You have to build the liquidity, the payout system to pay out your merchants once they get Bitcoin into US dollars or some fiat currency. So the, it, there's a lot of pieces and you can come to wire and just build that out in less than less than a couple of hours. So uh, we make it super simple for people to build out uh, products. That's amazing. Like that's the, the power I've seen is like, you know, you can, can build your own Coinbase in a couple of hours, which is fascinating. I mean, look, given everything that Coinbase has been going through over the last 48 hours, <laughs> there's surely about to be a new Coinbase popping up soon enough. Um, I love the simplicity of building uh, applications. It's a necessity, I think, in the larger ecosystem and will feed well um, to just the growth and use cases of Bitcoin. I, however, have another question that is probably more personal because this is my nightmare. Uh, and my nightmare is spending my Bitcoin because of the tax implications of that. What processes, if any, have you guys sort of put in to help customers kind of not get so tepid about maybe spending a few hundred dollars in Bitcoin, but then figuring out how that tax hurdle uh, is going to play into effect for them. Yeah, this is a, this is a problem that everyone's seeing. I get paid in Bitcoin uh, and a lot of people at Wire get paid in, in Bitcoin as well. Uh, so it, it's always kind of the hurdle. It's like, uh, hey, I get paid. There's cap gains tax on my payroll. Uh, so I'm kind of getting double paid every time I spend. And I'm just like, I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's great. Uh, I usually have a hundred dollars in cash in my bank account. Don't tell, don't tell my mom, but I have a lot, you know, a decent amount of Bitcoin in my payroll. But, but um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, I think this is, this stems to a regulatory front on how, you know, Germany just made it no caps gain taxes for the first like two years. Uh, so there is some regulation coming in on how you use Bitcoin. Right. So not every, like if you look in the fiat world, like not every dollar is treated the same, like how you invest dollars in, and securities is different than how you invest dollars in property and, and so forth. And I think that uh, regulation will catch up there. And, and if we want this to be a, a global currency, we, um, you know, which we, we do, and we want it to be a decentralized currency, there's going to be some merger of this centralized world and the decentralized world in this. And, and there needs to be some kind of understanding on like, hey, this is Bitcoin payroll um, and there, your caps gain taxes shouldn't be... Uh, denominated there but it is a I, I don't have a good answer to that i i you i i wish uh i wish I, if anybody does i think it'd be very interesting i think that the the only thing is like you, we want to get into a place where you're using bitcoin and spending bitcoin right so like you're getting paid in bitcoin and then you're actually just paying for things in bitcoin and i think the integration bolt here is going to help us get a step closer there right so we'll be able to there's 800 more merchants uh where i can now spend my bitcoin and that gets me closer to living in this uh beautiful uh, Bitcoin only uh, economy, which we're really excited about. Yeah. You touched on it a little bit, Yanni, and, and I, I'd love for both of you to, to maybe discuss uh, the legislative efforts around Bitcoin and crypto at large can be both helpful and hurtful to long-term benefits. We're seeing a country like Panama introduce broader crypto legislation to essentially figure out a way to back channel Bitcoin and, and others as currency in that country. We saw El Salvador's news last year. We saw the news out of Central African Republic just I think now only two weeks ago. Uh, I'm curious what legislative efforts you guys are paying very close attention to, uh, if any at all. 
Well, I mean, I'd say like, you know, obviously, you know, President Biden signed the 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 study on Bitcoin, which is great. Like, I I think whether, you know, the, the legislation and everybody, all the legislators really understanding and studying all the details is important because I worry that one of the biggest problems is people have this cursory understanding of things and they really don't really go deep. And, and so people make these assertions without really understanding the foundation. And so educating and really going deep and making sure that the government spend enough time understanding all the specifics is a good thing. The second thing is, you know, fraud is a, a big area of concern for any of these things, right? Like how do we bring the identity aspect into it? How do we bring, you know, eliminate fraud so that this is more of a legal channel of transaction versus kind of more overshadowed with any kind of anything else going on there? So some legal, you know, some legislation and legalization is good as long as it is founded with deep study versus some kind of rhetoric at the very top level. And, and so that's kind of my view. We, we need to balance that. And so the education need to be strong. The fraud system need to be strong. The identity need to be strong. In that way, it just goes from just Bitcoin being used by a small group of, you know, like people, uh, like around only 4% of the internet users use crypto today, which is a really, really small population to make it really mainstream because they don't need to worry about it because it's all taken care of. That's my view. Yanni, I'm sure you spend a lot more time on this. So. Yeah, we, we definitely do. We spend a lot of time on this. Um, you know, the, the hot, you know, so wires, uh, you know, as a whole, wire is agnostic. So we support a lot of different currencies, just uh, not just Bitcoin, but we spend a lot of time in, in stable coins and there's a lot of fiasco around stable coins and, and uh, a lot of work that, that is happening there. And obviously algorithmic and which uh, with the UST, uh, fiasco happening now could be very interesting, but also you know, some centralized uh, stable coins as well. Um, so there, there's a lot of work that we went, uh, that we spent a lot in the past year really promoting. I think long term, uh, Bitcoin has the, is the the stable currency that we need, right? Like in the long run. So like it, it's just a, a the time horizon that everyone's playing. Uh, like we're trying to put current regulation in kind of like the you know, everyone, I feel like there's a lot of pressure in, 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 in the regulatory bodies to do something right now, which could, is, 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 is a positive thing, right? I think it's, um, you know, could help promote and provide like a playground for startups to actually, hey, we have a direction in what to do, like, instead of like, you know, enforcement by action type of situation where you operate for a couple of years and then you get hit by the SEC with a fine without any understanding of that, what you're supposed to do. So I think it, you know, there is some sort of regulation that is really, really healthy. But I think in terms of like a uh, long-term strategy, Bitcoin has is is going to be its own stable currency, right? And that is the the ultimate goal in Bitcoin. Um, um, and you know, will it fit in the current regulatory infrastructure that uh, different government bodies are are promoting right now? It's it to be determined. Uh, I think that we're probably ten to fifteen years out from that. To to be honest, where if you know you can safely use Bitcoin as a stable currency, but um, there, there, it, it's just, uh, I think we're, uh, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is like, I think we're a little too early. Hey, that was a really bad time to bring up stable currencies in a Bitcoin. <laughs> Today yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think that either way you look at it, whether it's algorithmic or whether it's central backed is, there's, uh, there's definitely pros and cons to both ways. And um, everyone thinks, oh, algorithmic is the best, but we've seen, you know, uh, Terra paused their blockchain today. 
Like I, I can't imagine Bitcoin stopping their blockchain any day of the week, uh, anytime soon. I don't think that's even possible. Uh, so, I mean, that happened in that, that happened today with Terra, and 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 um, but we've also seen with uh, Tether uh, also at the same time. You know, uh, central back, you know, centralized back stable currency having issues, and we've so th there, there, there's what we're what I'm trying to say is like there's a lot of regulation going into managing uh, stable currencies, right? And I think there's there's a short game that there is being had right now, and I think it's healthy in some respect. But the long game is really having a fully decentralized stable currency that is operated without a, a central body, right? Like this is the end game for Bitcoin. And, you know, we're probably like 10 to 15 years out. Uh, I'm all for regulation. I'm not uh, promoting, but that's not right. Do you dig it regulate? And I'm all for regulation. Like we, a lot of what we do is make it easy for developers to play in regulatory regimes, right? Because we, we do all the hard models getting regulated with money transmission, uh, working with uh, SEC, working with the CFTC, but um, I think there there is a, a a long game there too. Also, the even the crisis on stablecoin or all even on all of crypto. I mean, I have the opportunity to kind of live through and kind of drive the innovation on some of the the different industries. Uh, and even if you look like the dot com crash did not kill the internet, it just separated you know the the good ones from the bad ones or the good ones who can survive longer term. So some kind of uh, you know changes and corrections in the industry just kind of prove who are here to stay and who is uh, here not to stay and i think it might be a great moment for bitcoin to like really uh, kind of shine through all of this and provide that stability that probably nobody else has the infrastructure or the or the, the network to to really power through and weather through all of these things yeah i mean look Yanni, you bring it up. Terra's blockchain, no, Luna's blockchain was shut down today, right, Chris? It was Luna? Yeah. We saw it last year during the meme stock craze where you had literally the shutdown of AMC and um, GameStop stock. You couldn't trade those stocks anymore. Plenty of us have had our banks say, hey, this credit card's frozen or you can't access this bank account. So this has happened repeatedly throughout multiple different ecosystems, but it to Yanni's point, it cannot happen in Bitcoin. That type of a concentrated attack cannot happen because of the decentralized nature of it. Um, I'm genuinely curious for the two of you to maybe speak on, you know, a lot of us in Bitcoin get really frustrated when Bitcoin and crypto get lumped together, especially by lawmakers and legislators. As these lawmakers maybe start to learn a little bit more about this ecosystem and what the different products really are, what at what point do you guys get nervous of them striking down against Bitcoin or crypto? Is there maybe a, a securities that or a securities tag on some of these assets or on some of these crypto uh, currencies that would in turn make some of these offerings a little bit more cumbersome to roll out? Yeah, just uh, just adding, I, I think there's a lot, still a lot of education to happen, right? Uh, up until like twenty, you know, we had. A lot of issues with like kind of like privacy laws in in, in the internet era, right? And that that's you know the internet's been around for uh, twenty plus years. I mean, it's been around longer than that, but it's really in the nineties really started uh, uh, really getting popularity. And up until like maybe it, still to today, we have a lot of like privacy issues. Like 
And, and we see a lot of bad regulation happening. I mean, everyone clicks those like data privacy laws on every single EU website. So there's like, this is a symptom of just like bad regulation, right? And, and not thinking forward about how we think um, uh, about like uh, trust and privacy. So I think that uh, that's gonna happen with uh, crypto and Bitcoin, right? It's gonna happen, Bitcoin's gonna get lumped into crypto. There's a lot of education that needs to happen and it, there will be. Um, you know, we are, you know, Bitcoin's unstoppable now, right? There is way too much innovation happening in the space. There's way too many entrepreneurs coming to build into this ecosystem. We've seen countries adopt Bitcoin as a stable currency or as a reserve currency or even as a, a for a, a valid tender. And I think that we're just at the starting point here. Um, so I think that it all starts with education and, and there is some really good work happening there, right? Um, you see Jack Mahler is going down to El Salvador, doing incredible work, working with the president there. Uh, that's, uh, you know, more of that's going to happen uh, day in, day out. And we're doing great work here, enabling merchants to accept Bitcoin um, and, and make it more valid at, to get, accept crypto or accept Bitcoin as a, as a payroll and then actually pay your Bitcoin. So I think that it's it's a natural progression and you're going to have this for the next 40 years. It's, it's uh, you know, people will not, you know, technology moves too fast for people to understand. Um, and you'll have these decades uh, of periods of people trying to keep up. And that's just a natural progression. Maja, do you have any uh, thoughts on that? I think you said it well right now, people, you know, these are all a real, every time technology go through a transformation, the similar kind of cycle happened. There's going to be a lot of different players. It got confused and there is going to be some explosion. And the ones with the most, uh, you know, network and power and the deepest technology will, will survive. So, and also people always overestimate the short-term benefits and underestimate the long-term benefits, right? So I think this is one of those scenarios, like, um, it's an educational process. A lot more people need to learn and understand. And uh, uh, people having a deep understanding of Bitcoin uh, versus just the broader crypto, all of that's going to be important. So all here to stay. Love that. And I'm, I'm genuinely curious for the two of you to maybe share. So as this offering gets rolled out to your customer base, uh, what is next? What are the sort of the goals over the next five to 10 years for the company to continue to grow uh, and expand its footprint in the Bitcoin ecosystem? Maja, do you want to you, you start this? Yeah, I mean, our goal is to become, make, um, buy, whether it's buying or using Bitcoin and crypto broadly available everywhere, whether that's in a virtual, like, you know, starting with an online, like commerce merchant, moving to the virtual world, make it available in the, in the physical store and pretty much make, it available internationally and ubiquitous so that people, whenever they think of payment, you know, this is it, that they don't need to think about anything else. They don't, I mean, none of the other choices. We can simplify that. So we want to unify that experience. I talked about that omni-channel experience, whether that's from a, you know, any any transactions, whether that's commerce, whether it's peer-to-peer, um, anytime you have these options of exchanging value and that exchanging value will be done based on our underneath uh, our shopper network, that is basically a network of people, their wallets, their information, and the underlying uh, the the fraud system that's going to use all the data and power all of these things and simplify it. So we don't really see an end to it because this is an, a you know a never ending process all over the world and spreading that. And Wire already has a global footprint. Bolt has a global footprint. So combining all of that and extending into the all different aspects of 
value being exchanged, we expect us to be there. Yeah. Tying into that, I mean, like the the thing that really uh, attracted us to Bolt is just their presence in kind of like the mainstream e-commerce uh, the world, right? They have a, an incredible network of of merchants, incredible network of shoppers that we can really get Bitcoin really mainstream to uh, a different uh, different audience, which is really exciting. And if you take a step back, I mean, like you have retail businesses uh, where the value creation has been happening. You know, retail businesses have become of uh, e-commerce businesses, e-commerce businesses have become fintech businesses, and fintech businesses are becoming Bitcoin businesses. And this is like the value chain of how things are gonna happen over the next like uh, five to 10 to 15 years. So it, with that mindset is like, we have a lot of work to do to get billions of people into Bitcoin, right? There's, uh, you know, on-ramps are still broken. There are broken flows that, you know, we're trying to work with this, like, uh, different KYC processes in the legacy world that, you know, was started with the, the banks and, and whatnot. And, you know, we could have, there's a lot of improvements that we can make there. Uh, the, we're working on payment systems that have been created for the past, like in the past hundred years that we're still using today, right? People are still selling, sending mail checks around actually pay for payroll and, and whatnot. So we're just modernizing and trying to get people and build use cases to get people into Bitcoin. And, um, you know, we started this in 20, you know, I started the company in 2012 and with this vision, it's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if people can use their Bitcoin and buy things? And, and then it's a, like every curtain that we cleared up in the financial system, we realized, what, what, what do you mean ACH is built this way? Swift wires are built this way? And it's like almost this curiosity where we realize that we have a lot of work to do and getting making it easier for people to build into this ecosystem. So this only accelerates over the, you know, in getting billions of people in the space. And I think that that vision of uh, getting people into a crypto economy or a Bitcoin economy is not going to change. Um, and this is only going to accelerate with all. We're really excited about that. Yanni, I'm genuinely curious, like how, as you've seen sort of Bitcoin and the crypto ecosystem transform over the course of your time working within it, like what are things that have surprised you that have come up and what are things that, um, you know, you genuinely are excited about as it continues to iterate and grow in its own right? I think, uh, the, I, I think that the, what I'm surprised about in, in the current environment as well is like <laughs> where people just fall in the same traps, right? We've seen the ICO trap in 2017. We're seeing the similar trap right now. Uh, and I think that it's just fascinating. I've been through many bear market, like uh, four bear markets now. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's just fascinating seeing uh, similar traps happen in, in, in the same area and in retail markets, you know, follow retail markets and, and people are going to get burned and they realize they educate and you find people, you know, migrating to the right environments or the right communities or right, right assets too. So it's just a, it's a, it's, it's an interesting onboarding that we've seen in the past uh, 10 years. Uh, and I, I, I think, I think it's good that it happens now. Let, let's get all this stuff out of the way in the first like 10 years of building, because uh, it, this is like Bitcoin's way too big to fail right now and, uh, and to get it wrong. And, you know, uh, we have a massive opportunity ahead of us. So that's that's what surprised me the most. I think it's extremely relevant to today as well and, and whatnot. So um, markets behaving the way that they behave. Love that.